everybody! For the first time of the 2023 college football season, I want to welcome you into College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. I am your host, Aaron Torres. The show, of course, presented by BetFriend Sportsbook, our presenting sponsor. First off, no need to check your speakers, check your dial, whatever. That is correct. This is an updated, brand new episode of the show. Listen. I know on the Aaron Torres pod, I'm talking a lot of different things. And if you follow me on social media, I'm still tweeting about a lot of different things. But the bottom line remains this, is that once May turns to June, it is now obviously July. I really ramp up my college football coverage and my college football prep behind the scenes. And so last year on the college football betting show presented by Betfred Sportsbook, what did we do? We ended up doing conference preview over under editions of the show started right around this time last year we did the sec east the sec west the big 10 east the big 10 west on and on and we are going to do that again today we are going to start with the sec east and then over the course of the next couple weeks and months in the lead up to week zero we will hit on the sec west the big 10 east the big 10 west etc again It's been a long time since you probably heard me talk college football, but I have been prepping behind the scenes, and ultimately that is what the goal of this show is. It is a betting show, I should mention. Uh, We're talking over-under win totals, so uh, this isn't a show where I'm just going to say, Georgia's going to win the East. Yeah, we kind of know that, but what are the over-under win total values? And again, this show is strictly to get you as much information as possible in the lead-up to the season. Really excited to be doing this, really excited to to get going. And I should mention, by the way, before we do get started, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. Uh, Bet $50 on any game going on, let alone over-under win totals. You can, of course, do that. All of these over-under win totals are available in the Betfred Sportsbook. But at the same time, download the app. First-time users, bet $50 on any game going on here in July or August. And you can get up to $1,111 in free bets. An insane promo courtesy of Betfred Sportsbook. We appreciate them as our presenting sponsor. All right, so let's get to the SEC East. First of all, the over, or excuse me, the the title odds for the SEC East are actually available in the Betfred Sportsbook. Georgia, the heavy favorite at minus 380. Tennessee at plus 450. South Carolina at plus 1,600. uh, Florida, excuse me, at plus 2,500. Missouri at plus 4,000. Kentucky at plus 7,500. But again, This isn't just about who is going to win the conference, who is going to win the division, but who do I deem to be the best over under win totals and why in this conference? And so I want to start with my favorite bet in this conference. And by the way, I never tell you to bet something. I won't bet myself. I will be betting these when I go to Vegas and go to the Betfred Sportsbook later on this summer. My favorite bet, you might not believe it. It is the Kentucky Wildcats. The over-under is six and a half in the Betfred Sportsbook, minus 160 to bet the over, plus 130 to bet the under. And it's very interesting, right? Because when you look at, say, my relationship with Kentucky football, last year I had a lot of Kentucky fans, Torres, you hate us, you don't like us, blah, 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 blah. And what I would say to that is I've never disliked Kentucky. I love Kentucky, covered Kentucky for years, worked for KSR, uh, been to Lexington a number of times, whatever. But why I was never as high on Kentucky last year I kind of thought Will Levis was a little bit overrated. And so I know Kentucky fans are going to get mad. But at the same time, the reason I was down on Kentucky last year is the exact opposite of why I am so excited about Kentucky in 2023. In 2022, I thought the quarterback position was a little bit overvalued. 
In 2022, I thought the quarterback position was overvalued. In 2023, I actually think Kentucky's quarterback is a little bit undervalued in Devin Leary. I think it's easy to forget college football offseason takes forever. You forget all sorts of stuff, right? Devin Leary was maybe the best quarterback in the portal. I would put him, probably Sam Hartman, up there as 1-1A, and and maybe I'm missing a guy I can't remember. Devin Leary was legitimately awesome two years ago when he was healthy at NC State. For people who don't remember, 36 touchdown passes, five interceptions thrown in his final season at NC State. Oh, by the way, um, you, you go back and look at that season. NC State went 9-3. and three. They did not play in a bowl game. That was still when we were canceling games because of COVID. But they went 9-3. and three. They beat Clemson. They beat Florida State. They beat North Carolina all in Devin Leary's final year. At that time, there was a thought that Devin Leary was going to go pro. Instead, he decides to come back for a senior season a year ago to try to improve his draft stock. He gets hurt. He decides to leave. Now he's at Kentucky. So again, last year thought the quarterback position was a little bit overstated. This year, I think it's understated. And really part of the reason why I like Kentucky so much, why I like Devin Leary and his potential so much is this. I thought the narrative around Will Levis last year at the NFL draft was unfair. What did people say about Will Levis? Well, I mean, you can't really judge him. He didn't have NFL talent around him at Kentucky. Well, that's just nonsense. And I said it at the time. Kentucky has NFL caliber wide receivers, no doubt. Barry and Browning is back this year. And so, so, so to backtrack, this is why I'm excited about Kentucky, right? NFL wide receivers, improved offensive line. Let's just look at the facts. Barry and Browning, as a recruit coming out of high school, former top 100 player, had an offer from Alabama, had an offer from Ole Miss, chooses Kentucky, 50 catches as a true freshman last year. Dane Key, 37 catches. The Kentucky kid was awesome. Tavion Robinson was awesome. And so I know that there's this narrative that Kentucky doesn't have elite skill position talent. They do. It was just very young a year ago. Now you add Ray Davis, a 1,000-yard rusher from uh, Vanderbilt in the transfer portal. Let me also add this. Kentucky's weakness last year, which this is, I do think, was a fair criticism of Kentucky, was the offensive line. It was clearly a priority in the portal, and I thought they did a bang-up job. Tanner Bowles, a Kentucky native, comes in from Alabama. Ben Christman comes in from uh, Ohio State. USC's Cortland Ford comes in. Marquise Cox from Northern Illinois. So if you need to upgrade the offensive line, you go portal, and it doesn't get much better than getting guys from Alabama, Ohio State, USC. Many of those guys with starting experience, this this position group should be improved. And I think if that position group is improved, the team across the board will be improved as well. Defensively, listen, you don't need me to tell you how awesome Mark Stoops has been since he has been there. And that defense really in years past has led them. By the way, I should mention on the offensive side, Liam Cohen, of course, returns from the Los Angeles Rams when Kentucky won 10 games two seasons ago in 2021. Liam Cohen was the play caller, the offensive coordinator, leaves to go to the LA Rams, comes back to college football this past offseason. So on top of the talent upgrade, you have a coordinator upgrade, no doubt about it. Defensively, as I said, listen, you, again, you don't need me to tell you, Mark Stoops has been awesome. Five of the last six years, Kentucky has finished in the top 25 nationally, nationally in total defense. Last year was no different. Uh, top 15 in total offense and or total defense, excuse me, and scoring defense. Yes, the, this, this group lost some guys, but Mark Stoops has time and time and time and time again been able to 
to re-energize and reload this defense. And I don't think it's going to be anything different this year. Finally, the reason that I do love the over-under, listen, with all of these, you're going to notice me talk about this a lot over the coming weeks and months as you download this show. It's the schedule. The schedule is very manageable, especially early. Kentucky's first three games, all at home. Here's who they play. Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, and Akron. Been to a lot of states. Ball ain't one of them, okay? Eastern Kentucky, obviously a solid FCS program. Akron in the MAC, whatever. Kentucky should start 3-0. After that, the SEC schedule actually breaks nicely early for them at Vanderbilt, Florida at home. Remember, this is a program that has had success against Florida. Three wins, I believe, in the last five years against the Gators. So there is a distinct possibility. Kentucky could start 5-0 and to this season. If they do, they will probably be in the top 10 going into the second half. Um, schedule does get tougher from there. They obviously have Georgia. Unfortunately, a cross-division game against Alabama this year uh, in the final year of, of divisions in the SEC. So that's kind of unfortunate from the Kentucky perspective. But I just look at this schedule. I look at the group that they have, and I sit there and say, man, oh, man, oh, man. Do I think things break nicely? Should mention, by the way, uh, they do get Missouri at home as well. I think that's important. They've won four straight against Missouri at home. They've had success against South Carolina. They've had success against Louisville. Kentucky, over six and a half, is officially Torres's best SEC East bet. Let's keep it going to the second fav- my second favorite SEC East bet. You're going to laugh at this one, too. Just did Kentucky. Clearly drinking the big blue Kool-Aid. You know who else I really like in the SEC East? I actually like Vanderbilt, which is currently the over-under win total for Vandy, is, as we speak, three and a half wins, minus minus 170 to bet the over, plus 140 to bet the under. Now listen, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking Vandy. I, I Maybe we have some Vandy fans listening. I think the majority of you probably don't really care that much about Vandy. But remember, Vandy last year won five games, okay, in year two under Clark Clark Lee. So let me just ask a simple question. They win five games last year, including, by the way, they won at Kentucky late in the season. They beat Florida. Don't forget, they beat the Florida freaking Gators late last year. And they're they're going to be two games worse this year. I just don't see it. I look at this team. They're not perfect. The defense was abysmal last year, but the offense was actually not terrible after A.J. Swan took over at quarterback, finishes the season throwing 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. Three of his top four wide receivers are back, and that to me is important because they have some real playmakers at wide receiver. You look at the kid, uh, Will Shepard, 60 catches a year ago, really basically their most dynamic player. Offensive line is much improved. Four of their five starters are back. And so you look at the second half for Vandy last year. They were a good team. They were a solid team in the SEC. They finished five and seven overall. Defense needs some work. But the other thing I like about Vanderbilt, again, I'm not asking you to go nine and three here. The schedule breaks pretty nicely for them. They play Hawaii in week zero at home. So Hawaii's literally traveling probably 5,500 miles for that season open. Then they play Alabama A&M out of the FCS. They do have Wake at Wake uh, a few weeks later, so that's not going to be an easy game. And then they play at UNLV 
to end the out-of-conference portion of the slate of their schedule. And so you look at that. Again, Hawaii Week 1, Alabama A&M Week 2, at Wake Forest, at UNLV. Does it suck that you're flying across country to play UNLV? Yeah, but you're playing UN-freaking-LV. And oh, by the way, they have a first-year head coach. Remember Barry Odom, the former Missouri head coach, the former Arkansas defensive coordinator is now the head coach. So just think about that. Hawaii in week zero, Alabama A&M in week one, at UNLV in week three. You should be three and one. From there, you need to win one of your final eight games in the SEC. And I'll just say, listen, it's not easy. But again, Vanderbilt beat Florida last year, beat Kentucky last year, and the schedule doesn't break terribly for them. They have their standard cross-division game against Ole Miss, They get Auburn at home. Listen, you know, everyone knows I'm a Hugh Freeze guy. I believe in him. But you get Auburn at home. Um, You get, obviously, Missouri at home as well. And so I just don't hate the schedule. I think they win one SEC game. And, yes, I am riding the Vandy Express over three and a half. All right, let's do one more team and take a quick break. And, listen, I think it's time. I've done enough uh, 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 dancing around this. How about we talk about the Georgia freaking Bulldogs? How about we talk about the two-time reigning national champions? Georgia, of course, they're over-under win total. How about this? 11 and a half, meaning to bet the over, you have to pick them to go 12 and 0. The under is 11 and a half, obviously, as well. Plus 115 to bet the over, under minus 140. So actually, a little bit of the juice is coming in on Georgia on the under. Now, what I'd say about Georgia is this. A couple things stand out about them. They are the two-time national champion. I know that if you listen to the Aaron Torres podcast, I've been a little bit critical of who they are and what has happened in the offseason. But I can't take away from what Kirby Smart has done going 29-1 and over the last two years, winning back-to-back national titles. And what stands out to me, so I was lucky enough, national championship game was at SoFi Stadium a year ago in LA. I was at the game. Not a very entertaining game, but being around that Georgia team, the thing that stood out was after the national championship game, this is what Kirby Smart said. He said, look, I'll be honest with you guys. I am so proud of this team because he said it straight up. He was like, this was supposed to be the year that you guys got us. 2021, we were built for 2021. N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, all those guys. We win a national championship. Then we lost 15 guys in the draft, and I'm paraphrasing now. I don't know if he said all this. He said we lost 15 guys in the draft. He said this was the year you're supposed to get us. Next year, we're going to be really good. We were actually building for 2023, and it just so happened that we were awesome in 2022, and that's why I'm so proud of these guys. And so that's what stands out about Georgia. The year you were actually supposed to get them was 2022. That was the rebuilding year, and that is why the over-under is 11 and a half, and that's why Georgia's obviously the rightful favorite to win the national championship. Now, in terms of their personnel, obviously the big question is that quarterback Carson Beck is in to replace Stetson Bennett. But let me just say, I mean, you know, for a team to have to replace a quarterback that just won back-to-back national championships, Georgia's in pretty good shape, right? Carson Beck, remember, this is now his fourth year in the program at Georgia. He is a guy that enrolled before COVID. He enrolled in January of 2020, played in the COVID year, 2021, 2022, credit to him for waiting his turn. And he looked awesome in the spring game. In the spring game, Carson Beck, I almost said Carson Wentz, definitely not Carson Wentz. Carson Beck, 
15 of 22, 231 yards, one TD. And he's got as much talent around him as anybody in college football. Kendall Milton back uh, after rushing for eight touchdowns, six, 700 yards. The Edwards kid is back, seven touchdowns. So you got 15 rushing touchdowns just from your top two backs. Oh, by the way, the most versatile player in college football in Brock Bowers. Listen, uh, we'll do a Heisman preview at some point. I don't think Brock Bowers is winning the Heisman, but 63 catches for an average of 15 yards per catch, seven touchdowns a year ago. That number actually down from 13 scores the year before. And so I just bring it up to simply say Brock Bowers is a beast. And what also stands out about Georgia is that, remember, they didn't go to the transfer portal two off seasons ago. They did this past year and they got some absolute dogs. Dominic Lovett at wide receiver, all SEC second team a year ago, 56 catches, 846 yards at Missouri. Ra-Ra Thomas was Mississippi State's leading scorer. So they reloaded the receiver room. They have Brock Bowers. They have Kendall Milton. And then, oh, by the way, the defense will again be elite this coming season, possibly better than the one that just won the national championship. Last year, top five in scoring defense, top 10 in total defense, the number one rush defense in college football. And they could be better in 23. Obviously, up front, I think the name to know, Michael Williams, was awesome. True freshman a year ago. Six and a half TFLs, four and a half sacks as a true freshman. The linebackers are beasts. Smile Munden is a superstar at this level. Jamon Dumas Johnson, again, uh, you go back to last season, he was elite. Nine and a half TFLs, four sacks for him. Eight TFLs for Smile Munden. Those guys are just monsters. Um, the defensive backfield is stupid. Like Javon Bullard, uh, MVP of that game against TCU. He is unbelievable. Malachi Starks is unbelievable. You just go on and on down the list. This defense is going to be insane. Final thought on Georgia. You know, the, the thing that makes the 11 and a half so interesting schedule is actually very manageable. Okay. So remember Georgia actually had an, an out of conference home and home scheduled with Oklahoma. That got canceled when Oklahoma was announcing that they were coming to the SEC. So now here is Georgia's out-of-conference schedule. UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, all at home, and also Georgia Tech to end the season. And so I bring it up because that's the out-of-conference. UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, respectfully, I think Trent Dilfer is now their head coach, uh, and, and, and and Georgia Tech, that's 4-0. Um, the East, I think the East is improved, but Kentucky, they get at home. The, the West crossover games, Auburn is on the road. Ole Miss is at home. You think they'd be heavy favorites in both. You look at the schedule. The biggest challenge is probably at Tennessee late in the year. By then we'll know if Joe Milton's that guy or not. We're going to discuss Tennessee here in a minute after the break. I just bring it up to say it's hard to find a loss on this schedule. I always try to be transparent with you guys and girls. This is one I will not be betting. But I don't know how you can't like the over of 11 and a half. Only reason I'm not betting it to expect Georgia to finish a third straight regular season undefeated. That is a tall, tall, tall task. Remember, it was what? Two years ago, they went 12 and 0, lost to Alabama in the SEC title game before winning the championship. Last year, they obviously went 15 and 0. Hard to ask them to go 12 and 0 for a third straight year. If anybody can do it, it's Georgia. I just want to do take a quick break, come back. When we come back, we'll hit on the rest of the SEC East. Tennessee with Joe Milton, Florida. I like Billy Napier, but obviously South Carolina, Missouri. Take a quick break. Be right back.
All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story started in 1967 in the UK, over a thousand shops in the UK, and they have now come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of not only all things Aaron Torres Media, but the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals. And what I love about Betfred, Nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred does. I've been telling you that for a year. We have sent listeners of the Aaron Torres pod to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. The Betfred suite at Cincinnati Bengals games is rocking. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitch at the Colorado Rockies games. Nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. And here is what they are doing for you right now. How about this? Bet $50 on any game. Get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Bet 50 bucks on anything you want to bet on. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get up to $200 in insurance for your first five weeks as a Betfred customer, totaling $1,111 in free bets. I've told you for a year, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. They're the only book that I bet with. And I want to thank Betfred for being our presenting sponsor. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Let's get to the rest of the SEC East over under win totals presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Let me just say this. It is so good to be back talking college football. Listen, I'm a sports fan. I love all sports. But there is something just so special and so exciting about this time of year to start talking college football. But let's get to the rest of the SEC East. We obviously just talked Kentucky, Vandy, and Georgia. Do want to switch gears and do want to get to the rest of the division. And I want to start with a team that I think is maybe the most interesting team in this division with a quarterback that I think might be the most interesting player in college football. That team is the Tennessee Volunteers. That quarterback is obviously Joe Milton. And how about this for an over-under win total in the Bedford Sportsbook? Tennessee, nine and a half wins is the over-under. To bet the over, it's plus 150. To bet the under, it's minus 180. Um, Fascinating team. And again, a fascinating quarterback at Joe Milton. But what I would say about Tennessee, the fact that we're talking about them as a potential 10-win team for a second season, and to bet the over, you're, you're projecting them to win 10 or 11 games. Maybe 12, depending on who, who, you know, how much you love the Vols. But the fact that we're talking about them as a legitimate possibility for a 10-win team, it speaks to the incredible job that Josh Heupel has done in two short years at Tennessee and the incredible season that they're coming off of. Listen, I know it didn't end the way that anybody wanted for Vols fans, but you can legitimately argue, right? When they're healthy, they might have been the second best team in college football. Hendon Hooker, in my opinion, it was a travesty that he was not in New York one of the best stories in college football. Again, not in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Uh, Jalen Hyatt wins the Bolitnikov Award. So this was a really dynamic, really fun team. They beat Alabama at home, stormed the field, smoking cigars. And then, of course, oh, by the way, they beat Clemson pretty handily in the Orange Bowl. And so it was an incredible season. And for this season, to me, what it ultimately comes down to is pretty straightforward. Which Joe Milton are you getting this coming year? You get the guy that played in the Orange Bowl and you get some facsimile of that guy, this could potentially be a 10-win team going forward. This was a guy that in that Orange Bowl performance, 19 of 28 passing, 
261 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He was phenomenal. And overall, he was phenomenal in largely a backup role a year ago for Hennon Hooker. Obviously started the season finale against Vandy. Obviously started the Orange Bowl. The problem is the guy that you saw in that Orange Bowl, that's really not who Joe Milton has been over the course of his career. 57% completion percentage in his career. Prior to last year, seven touchdowns thrown, six interceptions. Obviously was a starter at Michigan and gets benched. Comes to Tennessee as a starter there and gets benched. And so which Joe Milton are you going to get? Because the thing that stands out to me about this Tennessee team is that when I started my prep work, I just assumed coming off an 11-win season, coming off the Alabama, Clemson, all that, all that good stuff. I kind of thought, okay, this is going to be a major rebuild for this Tennessee program. It's really not. Most of their best players from last year are actually back outside of the quarterback position. First of all, top two rushers are back from a season ago. Jalen Wright finished last season with what? Five, uh, 875 yards, rushing 10 touchdowns. Jabari Small, 734 yards, 13 touchdowns. So that's 23 rushing touchdowns right there. Oh, by the way, how about this? Three of your top four top wide receivers are back as well. Now, Jalen Hyatt is gone, but Brew McCoy is back 52 catches. 667 yards, four TDs. Ramel Keaton is back, 31 catches. Squirrel White is back after 30 catches. And Dante Thornton was one of the best wide receivers in the portal. He comes from Oregon to play in Knoxville this year. Offensive line is pretty good. And I'll say this about the Tennessee defense, right? I think if you look at the raw statistics for Tennessee, you'd sit there and say, ah, they weren't very good last year. They, 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 they were middle of the road. They weren't very good. I went back and looked it up, okay? On the season, Tennessee gave up 296 points over the course of 13 games. Do you know that over 100 of them, so essentially a third of the points they gave up were in two games? 49 points to Alabama in a win. 63 in a loss to South Carolina. Sorry, Tennessee fans, for bringing it up. But I bring it up because that that defense was good for most of the year. Gave up 14 points to Clemson. 13 points to an LSU team that won 10 games. 27 points to Georgia, which sounds like a lot, but Georgia was awesome last year. Six points to Kentucky, zero points to Vandy. This defense is good. And so to me, again, it's Joe Milton because the schedule is actually sort of reasonably manageable. Now, the problem with Tennessee, of course, as we have division play, you are going to get Georgia and Alabama every year. Now, we'll see if that stays that way. The SEC obviously going to an eight-game schedule in 2024. I believe they'll probably end up in a nine-game schedule after that. But right now, obviously, you have Georgia and Alabama. This year, Georgia's at home. Alabama's on the road. You do have a cross-division game against Texas A&M, but that's at home. The tough out-of-conference game is Virginia, which is coming off of a three-win season in the ACC. And so I bring it up because the Tennessee schedule largely breaks pretty nicely for the Vols, but it's going to be a struggle against Georgia. It's going to be a struggle against Bama. And then to me, it just comes down to Joe Milton. You get orange bowl, Joe Milton. We're talking about a team that can win 10 games that can go to a major bowl game and have success. And who knows, you know, on the right night, you know, can, can they beat an Alabama team that we have question marks about this year? I think so. Can they beat Georgia? They'll probably be that game. That'll be probably Georgia's toughest game on the schedule. So I don't mean to belabor the point. I will not be betting this. I would probably lean under, sorry, Tennessee fans, but it's the truth. Probably lean under, think they're probably an eight and four, maybe even a nine and three team. This over of nine and a half, though, it feels like too much. 
it's a lot on Joe Milton's shoulders. Let's keep it going. And let's keep it going with maybe, again, a team that is just fascinating in this division, and that's the Florida Gators. They're over under win total. How about this? In the Betfred Sportsbook, five and a half wins for Florida. I don't have the time to research it all. That's got to be the lowest over under win total, maybe in the history, like in the history of Florida football, right? I mean, uh, can you name a year where they ha- they came in and we were projecting them to go five and seven, maybe six and six? It speaks to a lot of things, and it speaks to the situation in Gainesville right now. The over, by the way, you got to bet my it's minus one thirty. The under plus one ten, meaning most of the money is coming in on the under. And let me start. By saying this, before we get into it, got a lot of Florida fans that follow me and a lot of Florida, oh, Torres, you hate Billy Napier. I don't hate Billy Napier. As a matter of fact, I actually kind of like him. I kind of respect that, you know, he's kind of about that old school. We're going to build this organically. It's about culture. It's about accountability. I'm going to take care of my guys, this and that. And I do think that message is resonating with recruits. For those who don't follow recruiting too closely, Florida right now in the class of 2024, has the number three ranked recruiting class in the country. Only Georgia, only Ohio State are better, at least as I'm recording here in early July. So it's not that I don't believe in Billy Napier. I do believe he inherited a disastrous situation from Dan Mullen. It did not go well last year, and it's going to be a struggle this year. In terms of last year, listen, go back and, and, and look at the results, right? You beat Utah in week one. That's probably the best game that Anthony Richardson played all year when there was essentially no real tape on him going into that game, not to take away from the Florida win, right? But they needed a goal line stand with the number three pick in the draft. And that was probably the best game Anthony Richardson played all year. After that, you lose to Tennessee early in the season. You lose to Kentucky at home early in the season. You lose to LSU, which is understandable. You lose to Georgia, which is understandable. You even lose to Florida State, which is understandable. But you go six and six. You end up losing the bowl game to Oregon State and finish six and seven. And here's my thing. I don't think there's a lot of reason to believe that there should be optimism going into the 2023 season that things are significantly better. One, you just lost the number three pick in the NFL draft. You replaced him with a guy that I'm sorry. I just don't believe in Graham Mertz. And I know he was better last year, but for people who don't know, Graham Mertz, former starter at Wisconsin, Remember, Wisconsin, two years ago, they fell apart early. I think they were started the season in the top 10. They opened one in three. And Graham Mertz, listen, I hate to put this on a college kid, but like the, 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 you know, the trajectory of the Wisconsin program was pretty much like this until he took over as quarterback and ends up tanking. Paul Chris gets fired. Now Luke Fickle is the head coach in his career. Graham Mertz, these are the stats. This is what you need to know. 59% completion percentage as a starter for three years. Did have 19 touchdowns and 10 interceptions a year ago, but 10 touchdowns and 11 interceptions the year before. And so I just bring it up because if he's putting up those stats in the Big Ten West against Purdue and Illinois and, 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 you know, the schools that they play there. By the way, I know Illinois had a great defense last year. I just bring it up to say, I don't think it's going to get better when you're playing Georgia and LSU and Florida State. The rest of the offense, I will say the running back position looks solid. Montreal Johnson is back. Uh, Trevor Etienne is back. But the offensive line is going to struggle. Four or five starters have been lost. I know they added a guy or two there, but I think the O-line is going to struggle. And then the defense, which was a fringe top 100 defense last year, has lost their top five tacklers off of that team. 
again, I understand it's the portal world and you added a couple guys, DJ Moten from Michigan among them, but it's hard for me to see Florida being significantly better this year than they were a year ago. Don't love their talent on offense. Don't love their talent on defense, but maybe most importantly, the schedule is just bananas this year. Okay. So you talk about a couple bad breaks for Billy Napier. One, the Utah games were scheduled. Okay. I don't know when those games were scheduled, but now you have to open the season at Utah, you know, under the lights. It's going to be that first Thursday of the college football season on Labor Day weekend. You got to play at altitude. It's probably going to be pretty warm. I know it's, you know, you play, you're from Florida, so heat isn't an issue to you. But Florida actually opened in the Betfred Sportsbook as a nine point underdog to Utah. So the, the odds makers do not think Florida is winning that game. You have to close the season against a Florida State team that all of a sudden is really, really, really good. Um, and then beyond that, the schedule in season is brutal and in the SEC is brutal. You get Tennessee at uh, 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 Tennessee at home and Kentucky on the road all by the end of September. So by the end of September, you could legitimately be two and three because you got at Utah, Tennessee at home, at Kentucky. And then as the second half of the season unfolds, you got to go to LSU. Um, you have to play also Arkansas, which I don't think will be easy. At least that game's at home. And again, Florida State to end the year. So because of it, it is, this is a total stay away to me. I'd like to think that if this culture is going in the right direction under Billy Napier, you can get to six wins. But, you know, in the out-of-conference, when you have Florida State at home and at Utah, they probably have the toughest out-of-conference schedule of anybody in college football. Then on top of that, your cross-division game is at LSU. That's brutal. You get George on a neutral. That's brutal. You get at Kentucky, a program that has kind of had your number the last half decade. That's not easy. I can't find six definitive wins to say this goes over. Again, I believe in Billy Napier. Talent isn't there right now. And we'll see what happens. Let's wrap with the last two teams in this conf, uh, division, excuse me, the SEC East. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on each. South Carolina is really interesting to me. So South Carolina comes into this season. They're over under in the Betfred Sportsbook is six and a half wins. And to bet the over, it's plus 120. To bet the under, it's minus 140. So my thoughts on South Carolina are pretty straightforward. On the one hand, I didn't love them coming into last year. And to the credit of Shane Beamer and his staff, I got totally burned, okay? You go back and look at South Carolina last year. Eight wins in the regular season, and they had as good of a November as anybody. Beat Tennessee to knock them out of the college football playoff contention. Beat Clemson to knock them out of the college fo- out, out of college football playoff contention. Clemson wins that game. They probably get the number four seed in the college football playoff over Ohio State. Instead, South Carolina beats them both. They have a great offseason or a great end to the season. But I just don't like this team, and I don't like how this offseason went for them. On a positive, you bring back Spencer Rattler. I know Spencer Rattler was good over the second portion of the season, probably the last four or so games, really when South Carolina clicked. But last year, 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He wasn't great all last year. And on top of that, you now lose your best running back, Marshawn Lloyd, who transferred to USC. Jaheim Bell, your star tight end, transfers to Florida State. I know you still got Juice Wells at wide receiver, former James Madison transfer, who was phenomenal last year. But I don't love this team. Offensive line is rebuilding as well. And then on defense, how about this? You lost seven of your top 10 tacklers from a year ago. And again, 
similar to what I just said on offense. Your best edge rusher, Gilbert Edmond, transferred to Florida State. Your second best edge rusher, Jordan Birch, transferred to Oregon. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if there's a culture problem. I don't know if it's NIL, if we're falling behind, if our collective isn't in line. But when you lose maybe two of your three best skill position players and your two best edge rushers to the portal, that's not a great sign of where things are going. And so with it, I'd probably lean under of six and a half on South Carolina. They have a pretty tough schedule. They obviously play Clemson in the out-of-conference, although that game will be in Columbia. I think Clemson should be improved this year with DJ Uyleganlele out and uh, Kate Klubnik in at quarterback, Garrett Riley in at offensive coordinator there. You open with a neutral site game against North Carolina. North Carolina, of course, has the potential number two pick in the upcoming NFL draft, uh, Drake May at quarterback. And so I don't like them against Clemson. Drake May and UNC is going to be a toss-up. And then you look at the rest of the conference. Obviously, you play Georgia early in the season. That game's at Georgia. That's not good. To the credit of South Carolina, at least their final four are at home, including Clemson. But your cross-division game is against AM. I know you beat AM last year, but that game's going to be in College Station. I think AM is actually going to be improved. I know everybody wants to make fun of AM, but I think they're going to be improved. It's hard for me to find six wins on this schedule. I would lean under here. Definitely not a game on a team I'm betting. And again, credit to Shane Beamer. He proved me wrong a year ago. We'll see if he can prove me wrong again. Final team in the East and we'll get out of here. The Missouri Tigers. So Missouri, I will tell you, they were a weird one a year ago. Okay. And I'll tell you why it is because through the years, obviously under Eli Drinkwitz, Eli Drinkwitz is an offensive guy, right? Here's the problem. Offense took major steps back last year, averaged 25 points per game, 10th in the SEC, 369 yards per game, 11th in the SEC. Not ideal if you're an offensive genius, and he is actually giving up play-calling duties coming into this year. That's the negative. Here's the positive. Defense was better than anybody thought. The year before, they had the worst defense in the SEC, gave up 434 yards per game. Last year, they gave up 340 yards per game. So essentially, they cut their yards per game allowed by 25%. The year before, they gave up 34 points per game. Last year, 25 points per game. So the defense is much improved, but the offense took a step back. Why I wouldn't bet this team, by the way, I think I said it, the over-under is six and a half wins for the Missouri Tigers. Uh, If you want to bet the over on Missouri, the over is plus 110. The under is minus 130. Um. Why I can't bet him, even though I think the offense will be improved, I don't know who the quarterback is. Brady Cook was good, but not elite last year. You go back to what he did, 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions, was good rushing the ball, 585 yards rushing. Jake Garcia transfers in from Miami. Sam Horn is a player that was already in the program. I don't know who the quarterback is as I record here, here in early July. Positives for Missouri, that defense was awesome. That defense brings back a lot. Schedule is relatively manageable. Five of their first six games are in the state of Missouri. Four are at home. They play Kansas State on a neutral field in St. Louis. And then, oh, by the way, of those first six games, the only road game they have is at Vanderbilt. So in theory, they could start 6-0. and Don't think they will, but they could. Problem is, of course, the second half of the schedule is much, much, much tougher. They do play LSU as a cross-division game. That game is at least at home. At Kentucky, where they've struggled, as I've said, they lost four straight at Kentucky. At Tennessee, at Arkansas, 
And so that's kind of the concerning part, right? Those, those pseudo 50-50 games, Kentucky, Arkansas, they're all on the road. You do get South Carolina at home. You do get um, you do get a couple other big games at home. I can't find seven wins on this schedule. I would totally stay away. I think Missouri is the most fascinating team in this division, but don't love them one way or the other. All right, I think that's it. How about that for the first episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres here to open the 2024, 2023 slate, excuse me, again. My favorite bet, Kentucky minus uh, Kentucky over six and a half wins. I also like Vandy over three and a half wins. Georgia probably would lean over 11 and a half. Tennessee under nine and a half. Florida under five and a half. Uh, South Carolina under six and a half. Missouri probably right at six and a half. Maybe go over with seven there. Those are my official picks, though. Do with them as you please. I will be betting Kentucky and Vandy when I get to the Betfred Sportsbook later this summer. I think that's it for today's show. If you're not subscribed to the College Football Betting YouTube, uh, feed, make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, College Football Betting with Aaron Torres, make sure you're subscribed. Also, we're going to ramp up the College Football Betting YouTube channel. Maybe do a little giveaway like we did last summer. Uh, if you're not subscribed there, please make sure to do so. But that's it, man. It was a great first episode. So good to be back. And here's the fun part. I'll be back either later this week or probably next week talking SEC West. Fascinating division with LSU, with Alabama. I think a and going to be improved. Ole Miss is interesting. Hugh Freeze has arrived in the SEC West. So SEC West coming up. But make sure you're subscribed here. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Aaron Torres Online. I will be doing some write-ups there as well. That's it. Thank you again to our presenting spot sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. I'll be back at CC West coming up next.